And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys, gals, and non-binary pals to another episode of All the Above, the show that gives you an unstandardized take on education. I'm Jeffrey Garrett, one of your co-hosts, and I've been a middle and high school principal and a high school social studies teacher. And as always, I'm joined by... Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. I'm a high school history teacher. This is my 16th year in the classroom working in the Los Angeles area. And this, of course, is all of the above. Your home for news and analysis of all matters pertaining to the world of education. Jeff, you know, this is our fourth COVID socially distanced episode. So far, yeah. so good, yeah? So far, so good. We, uh, you know, this this past Friday marked the the one month uh, milestone for us here in the LA area uh, of being on official quarantine, lockdown, safer at home, whatever whatever you want to call it, but being uh, sequestered in our various domiciles uh, to try to prevent the uh, the spread of COVID nineteen and flatten the curve, as they say. Uh, hard to believe it's been a month already, Manuel. What do you think? Yeah, it, it definitely feels like way more than a month. Like it feels like yeah. it's been a couple months and that the end is is not even near. Like I just feel like this is just going to continue and continue and extend. And, you know, since we live in L.A., one of the biggest like visible indications that this is a really, really different time is the complete lack of traffic. So like, you know, my once a week journey to the grocery store or whatever, it's just like no traffic. And I was telling you, Jeff, like part of me wants to to make that run to LAX and just drive through that LAX loop <laughs> and just hit it in record time because that joint takes yeah. like 35, 45 minutes or more sometimes to get through like each terminal. And right now it's like yeah. a ghost town. And I'm pretty sure I could I could I could get through there in like five to seven minutes, like not speeding, just like no traffic. And I'm thinking yeah. I might do that just for just, just for the, the sake of making history. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I will say for those who maybe don't come to L.A. regularly, my vote for worst major airport in America. Man. Um, and uh, I, I will say it might be a certain type of pleasure to drive through LAX at a regular, you know, traffic speed. Yes. Not having to go six inches and stop and then wait for five minutes and then six inches and stop and wait for five minutes. So, man, this is the one uh, opportunity to try that. So one of these days, I'm going to go ahead and just try that just to just to be able to say I drove through LAX at a normal, reasonable pace. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, anyways, folks, if you are new to our show, because, you know, we've picked up a few new listeners and viewers over the last few episodes. So um, we appreciate your viewership and we hope that you continue to enjoy what you see or, or what you hear. Um, we do want to encourage you to uh, dig through the crates. We have so many episodes going going way back where we explored various topics of education. So if you are new to our to our show, consider going to our website, AOTA Show dot com and um thumbing through all the previous topics that we've discussed from suspension and discipline gaps to school safety and and what makes a, a a great principal we had a teach for america episode like we've we've covered a lot so definitely consider taking some time to uh, dig through those past episodes but um for today's episode jeff what is on the agenda well, man, well, we got a good one uh, for folks, as usual, and uh, this is a topic we have not uh, touched on before, uh, I think directly in any of our episodes, and something that I know um, is an extension of kind of the, the current, uh, you know, the current crisis that everybody's focused on, right, which is like, how do we do school when school is no longer school? Um, and one of the big questions that I think especially a lot of uh, high schools, high school teachers, principals, uh, parents of high school students, um, and high school students themselves are thinking a lot about is what does this shutdown mean for AP classes, right? Um, now, AP classes, as most folks know, are, you know, super rigorous courses, um, you know, very regimented in terms of the, the curriculum that's covered and very connected to students who are, you know, definitely uh, pursuing aggressively college and often admission and even credit at some of the more selective colleges in the country. And so we're going to bring on just a, a fantastic guest, a real 
expert of experts about AP classes and AP instruction. Um, he is uh, formerly the California Teacher of the Year, Daniel Jose, who's a teacher here in, uh, in Los Angeles, to talk through a bit about these issues of what does it mean when schools shut down and we're still trying to do AP classes and still trying to help kids get ready for college. So we're going to unpack that with Daniel. Should be a great conversation. You definitely don't want to miss it. Sounds dope. All right, folks, but up first is our Do Now, where we take a look at recent headlines in the world of education. Stay tuned. All right, folks, now it's time for today's Do Now, where we take a look at recent headlines in education. And Jeff, um, word on the street is that the headline for today comes from um, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be correct. Uh, somebody out there has been uh, putting out controversial opinions on the interwebs and uh, getting, getting a whole lot of reads and responses from folks about, uh, I think, one of the more interesting issues we've talked about in recent weeks that's kind of like kept bubbling up for, you know, really for everyone, for teachers, for administrators, for parents, and of, so, uh, of course, for students as well. That being the issue of what do we do about grades? So, um, and well, you put out this piece, give them all A's, uh, you know, a, what, a week or so ago now, and, um, yeah. you know, has really drawn a lot of attention. It's on Medium. Um, we'll have the link uh, below for folks to, to click on to check it out. Um, but uh, you've gotten some interesting responses, both in the, in the lovely diplomatic place that is the internet, and also uh, from <laughs> colleagues and you know other folks uh, who've reached out to you uh, you know personally as well. So uh, tell us, Manuel, what uh, what are you hearing, and how have you been responding to folks' reactions to your piece? Right, right. Yeah. Well, when we filmed that episode, the um, the second episode in our COVID series, um, and we had Leo Glaze on. You know, we were talking about grades, and and it was it was just really clear in our discussion that there was no clear solution for how to make sure that grades for this semester accurately reflect a student's academic achievement given all the beyond complex uh, variables that each district, each student, each school, each teacher is facing. So on that episode, Leo Glaze, we asked him like, all right, if it were up to you, what would you do? And he was like, yo, I say, give them all A's. Like that's the easiest way to just quickly neutralize it so that no student gets an unfair advantage over another student. And, you know, we continued to talk about it throughout the show and he definitely won me over. Um, previous to that, I was thinking this should just be a ungraded semester or um, even a pass fail maybe. But as we discussed it in the episode, it became clear that those those solutions so-called are, are limited themselves in, in various ways. So after the episode, the more I thought about it, I made the decision like my students this year or this semester will get A's. And I thought, let me, delineate all the different reasons why like this is the most equitable solution and kind of walk myself through my thought process because I didn't start in a in a in a belief that everybody should get A's so I decided to to draft that all out and I polished it up and put it out there on medium just because like whatever medium's easy and free and yeah it gained a lot of traction I think just the 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 sheer thought of giving all students A's no matter the context just that idea strikes a chord with a lot of educators in, in various ways. So it really picked up steam. And as, as we're recording this now, it's had something like 39,000 views on, on Medium. And most of the response I've gotten has been really, really positive. I think it's resonated with a lot of folks. And I credit Leo Glaze for helping, helping me see the light and think in realizing that A's are the most efficient way to make sure nobody gets an unfair, like, you know, the student gets extra credit for all this distance learning work and they inflate their grade like crazy. But this other student who, for whatever reason, because of lack of uh, technology or because that student's teacher doesn't know how to teach online at all or whatever, this other student is just left with whatever grade they had when the school's closed. Like that's that's BS. So um, so I wrote it out there and, and put it out there and and a lot of folks are feeling it. Yeah, I, you know, I thought it was an outstanding piece and not, not you know, not just saying Thank that you. because I'm obviously biased in this uh, equation here, but I really <laughs> thought it made a compelling argument and everyone I've shared it with, uh, who, you know, who's, uh, who's engaged with it that I'm aware of has, has at least come away saying like, I, I see the argument and I get 
what you're saying, right? It makes a lot of sense. Um, right. I do think in the in the in the real world we're in now, there's some interesting questions that uh, that are manifesting because we're not seeing uh, policy exactly follow what what you and what Leo, you know, I think. Um, certainly can be credited with bringing to, to the all the above audience here. Um, and so, for right. example, the Los Angeles uh, Unified School District, um, where, you know, where I work with schools, uh, has recently just uh, come out with an agreement with the union um, that, that kind of enshrines into place, at least currently, a grading practice that says, you know, students will get no lower grade than they had on March 13th when we first went on, on the shutdown. Um, and so, but teach, but the actual grade that students receive is essentially up to teacher discretion. So the approach that you're talking about, you know, is interesting. It also maybe raises some other equity questions around, you know, if some teachers are giving the kids all A's because that's the sort of least harmful thing to do, but other people are not, right. then, then what, where does that leave us? So, um, yeah. I'd be curious to hear some of your thoughts about about that yeah no that's that you're exactly right that'd be a problem and that's why i'm trying to build this team all a's um build it up you know we still have a few months left in the school year in, in most areas and i am most concerned i think like most teachers like your number one priority are the students that you have built relationships with that year in your classroom and i'm most concerned with those students so I feel confident that even if nobody else does this at my school site, for example, like that I did my best to do right by my students, period. And especially since I have juniors and seniors, I'll admit it's probably easier for me to make that decision for juniors and seniors, given that spring semester of senior year right now is such a mess with prom and grad night and graduations and all that stuff being canceled. And in general, that's not a, a semester of, of grades that that weigh heavily on a uh, on a student's uh, college prospects and things like that. And for juniors, most of my most of my juniors who go off to college go off to a Cal State or a University of California campus, and those two systems have already sort of um, outlined their policy for dealing with this semester. And and I know that my A's aren't going to overly privilege a student in terms of placement into like a more advanced math or English class at a Cal State, for example. So I feel confident about my own students and doing the best by them. But you're right, this is something that more teachers will have to do. And I'm thinking about LAUSD's policy of, of at least not letting their grade go down. And that's great. But you know, I think about students that have a teacher like, like our guest today, Mr. Jost. He's very active online. He has a huge YouTube following. And I feel like, or I, I assume without having met him, I assume that his students are able to get some really quality distance learning instruction from him. But then students who have a teacher who like barely even understands how email works, like those students probably aren't going to get the highest quality instruction. So it's like, it, it kind of sucks that uh, Mr. Joseph's students might end up with, with really high accomplished A's and these other students are kind of stuck with what they had in March because their teacher basically checked out. You know, that's an inequity of itself and there's no perfect solution. It's going to be messy no matter what. Grades before this uh, coronavirus crisis were a hell yeah. of a mess. Like that same thing I just said about this teacher is so great at this and this other one isn't. Like that, that was the reality before this crisis struck anyways. So I don't know. I mean, my basic philosophy here is like do no harm in the, the easiest way to make sure that none of my students are academically disadvantaged because of the mess of this semester is to make sure that they have A's. And I'm, I'm gonna stick with that, even though, you know, I've gotten a lot of pushback from members of my own school side. I've gotten a lot of love online, which is um, a little interesting because usually the internets be where some of the, the harshest critics be and they might be out there, but as far as for my, for my piece and people who have messaged me directly, it's been mostly love and the most critical messages I've received were from members of my own school site. I'm talking like essays going all in depth about how I am just totally crazy for thinking this. And that's been a bit of a, a, a surprise for me. But, you know, whatever it is, what it is, I'm going to do right by my students and I'm going to keep trying to advocate and trying to get other teachers on board with um, team all A's. <laughs> team all A's. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was convinced uh, by your argument for sure. And, and in my mind, I frame it as like, what's the least harmful thing we can do here? Because I don't think I agree with you. I don't think there's a perfect solution. And I haven't heard a better argument about what's the least harmful 
uh, to students thing that we can do. Um, it is interesting, I will note, in the, uh, the agreement that um, was reached in the LAUSD, there is a little clause that says, you know, if a change is made to the grading policy, right, it just needs to be made in, in you know, negotiation with the, uh, the union and the district, right? And so there's, there's, a, there's a door there, there's a window there where I think, I, I, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if as we... If, I, as I we get closer to the end of the semester and as the gaps yeah. that we see become even more pronounced, right? The like large number of kids yeah. that we've hardly had any contact with, let's say, right? If that stretches to 12 weeks of school as opposed to, you know, four weeks of school, right? Um, I wonder if there'll be an, an increasing appetite for something that's like, hey, how do we just minimize harm here? Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think this is uh, going to be this is this idea is going to continue to develop over time as more people face the facts that their their gray book is is absolute mess mess and absolute trash. And the pushback that <laughs> how, I how do you did really feel receive well, from <laughs> I mean, it's just the, yeah. the facts and um, the pushback that I have received. Pretty much the main argument is, you know, wrapped in soaked in meritocracy and this idea that some students worked really hard for their A's. And, you know, why would a student do any work if they know they're going to get an A in the end? And for one, I totally disagree with all of that. I mean, you know, yeah, some students worked really hard for their A's. I worked really hard to pay off my student loans. That doesn't mean I don't want to see other people's student loans forgive, uh, forgiven because like just because I had to scramble and, and grind for it doesn't mean I want everybody to be hurt because like they, they need to feel the pain I felt. So that whole idea of like some people worked hard and some people didn't, you just forget that. And I mentioned in the article, like people are getting these stimulus checks supposedly one day, I guess. And some people didn't do anything to earn that $1,200 check. Like some people's jobs are intact. They've been working remotely even before the crisis and they're still getting a check, but I don't see a lot of outcry over that. But when it comes to students getting this little bit of benefit, then everybody's just just up in their feelings, and it just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. America loves the uh, the myth of the meritocracy, Manuel. The, you, uh, yeah. yeah, and even if I believed in that myth, even if I was a, a full blown meritocracy person, I still would not be able to measure like who has really been able to invest that merit in that energy into this distance learning and who has not because of whatever reasons from lack of uh, instructional resources to whatever like i wouldn't be able to measure people's merit even if i believed that merit is what a grade should reflect yeah. and that's a whole nother conversation like should a grade reflect work and merit or should it reflect a student's understanding of the core concepts of the class like that's it's just such a mess that i I am, I'll be honest, I'm disappointed that amongst my own school staff, at least, that I'm like feeling like I'm fighting this battle by myself. I, I feel really isolated there, but then I jump online and I see teachers from British Columbia to, to New York who like have my back on this and realize like, yo, this is, this is, this is what's right. And I've been working with a few teachers on um, how to communicate this to students in a way that they understand why that's the decision and that they are also that they remain invested in the instruction. So my students, my seniors especially, like they know this is the deal. Like they were circulating that article like right away. And this week's work that, um, that this week's assignment that I gave them, I got it back from the majority of my students. So it's like, they know they're ending with A's, but they're still hitting me up with these. It's not like they're just gonna drop my relationship with them and my course and my instructions and, 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 and just all that learning. They're not just gonna drop it because now they know they have an A. Not if the relationship is there, not if the, the content and the lessons are something that they feel is actually worth their time and yeah. investment. And it should be worth their time and investment regardless. So if you focus on that, you're still going to get students involved and invested in your class, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I agree with you. I, I understand where some of the, the counter arguments come from. Um, but also think, yeah. to me, that's why the, you know, the focal point of the question is we're in a crazy time. Our goal needs to be to reduce harm, right? There isn't a system that I've yeah. heard anyone come up with that would be perfect or, you know, totally fair on every level. 
um, given the crazy circumstances we're in. So, so we have to shift to kind of a how do we reduce harm? How do we still serve students well? And I think the idea that, uh, you know, that Leo named and that you, you know, beautifully articulated is the best I've heard. So, um, so that's it. That's the truth. Yeah, the sure. discussion's over. If you disagree, so what? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So shout out to Leo Gla- uh, Leo Glaze. If you are not already following him on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, it's um or he's at I am Leo Glaze. And um, yeah, dope stuff, man. We only bring the dope, the dope guests and the dope um, conversations to all of Indeed. the above. So um, shout out to him. And um, yeah, we're just gonna keep keep working with the students' best interests in mind. And that's that. All right. Next up, folks, is today's seminar featuring a fantastic guest, Daniel Jost, talking about AP class during the shutdown. Stay tuned. All right, folks, welcome to today's seminar. We are so happy to have you with us. And as I said, it's going to be a good discussion. Um, We have, I think, before us a topic that we really haven't talked much about before uh, in any past seasons, even on our show. Um, And it's something that I know is at the top of mind for a lot of folks today. That being, what do all of these shutdowns around, uh, you know, preventing the spread of the coronavirus have to do with AP classes, one of the most popular programs in high schools across the country to help prepare young people for college and even allow young people to earn college credit is taking advanced placement courses. Um, And these are often some of the most rigorous courses and some of the courses that are uh, certainly in high demand among students and families who are really uh, not only pushing for college, but often going to be applying to some of the more selective colleges in the country. So we have with us today a guest who is uh, perhaps uniquely positioned to be able to uh, to tell us a, not only about firsthand what the experience is of teaching AP classes in this context, but also answer some of the questions about kind of the, the larger implications in a situation where home learning environments are so varied across the country um, and teachers are trying to still push forward um, a very rigorous college preparatory curriculum. What does that look like and what does this mean for sort of fairness and and schools doing what we need to do to provide learning opportunity for our students? So I want to welcome today's guest, uh, Daniel Jose, who is a high school history teacher here in the Los Angeles area. He is also uh, formerly California State Teacher of the Year. Uh, welcome, Daniel Jose, to all of the above. Hey, thanks for having me. Mr. Jose, thank you for coming on our show. Um, I noticed that you are a graduate of the number one public university in the world, uh, UCLA, and that's where you got your master's in, in, in teaching. And of course, you were a 2016 finalist for National Teacher of the Year. You're the California State History Teacher of the Year 2018. And um, you are for sure a very, very big figure in the world of AP US history. And uh, we're gonna link your website for all of our viewers to uh, to check it out, apushexplained.com, because you have so many resources there for for the youths around the world who are who are practicing for those AP exams. And AP classes, like all classes, theoretically should be backwards uh, mapped from based on how that school year is gonna end. But AP classes, that's probably even more so the truth about things being regimented week by week, having each instruction, each lesson really tied to building up to this AP exam. So we're wondering if we could start by having you explain a little bit about what that school closure experience was like for you being an AP teacher with, you know, these solid plans leading up to the the test. And suddenly it's like, yo, school's closed, can't be in the room, in the building with your students anymore. So what was that school closure like experience for you? Yeah, I came in on a Friday. Uh, well, I was out the, actually the Thursday before on some doctor's appointments. And then the rumors started like kind of trickling in that this thing's going to get shut down. So I was like, I need to go Friday. Had some other appointments I needed to attend to and see the students because this may be the last time, at least for a couple of weeks. That's all I was expecting. Um, and so we kind of like, you know, connected and, and got onto Zoom to see if we could do it. Schoology has a conferences tab. We tried that try to like get them comfortable with what the next two weeks may look like. Um, 
but I was still, and I think they were also in just real disbelief, like, yeah, 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 we're shut down. But I don't think it really kind of set in, but we were just kind of trying to troubleshoot any tech issues, any login issues. Uh, the school uh, that I'm at did a really good job at kind of inventory our technology and, you know, getting technology Chromebooks to kids that needed it. Uh, so uh, to my knowledge, any student that needed any kind of technology, uh, the Chromebook got that. Um, we got some hotspots available. I don't think there were enough of those. And just kind of really kind of setting the kids up for at least two weeks of remote distance learning. Now, Mr. Jose, I know that, uh, you know, AP courses, perhaps uh, even more than, you know, than, than most courses in high school tend to be, you know, uh, super packed with content and, um, you know, and really tend to be driven by the kind of demands of the AP assessment itself. Right. And so in a world where the assessment, uh, you know, is maybe going to be different than uh, or not, maybe is going to be different than we than we thought it was going to be. And where the the certainly the school year, traditional school years cut short. Uh, you know, what has that meant for you in terms of the, you know, the ability to kind of assess where your students are at and and really helping to make sure your students are ready to succeed on the exam? Um, well, first, like AP classes in particular ap us history which is where i'm kind of accustomed to being the teacher of it's it's ridiculous like i went to that number one university public university ucla yeah. and i majored in history there is not one class i took at ucla in the history department that was anywhere near as difficult as what we're asking kids to do in ap world ap us uh history it's absurd just the the number of skills they need to kind of develop the number of content uh, areas they need to touch on. Um, so in terms of just the routines and the ability to actually cover content, it's it's been completely derailed and and disrupted because, you know, I, I've over the last, what is it now, week three, I've, I've made a deliberate attempt to kind of transition what we would normally do and try to kind of mimic that in an online world. And it's been a damn disaster and i'm pretty tech savvy like and and my kids are for the most part pretty tech savvy and like i said they they for the most part got technology uh i haven't had any of my students in particular that didn't have the ability to access um the materials or the the video conferences we were doing but it's been it's been difficult to actually meaningfully uh cover content and on the same token, assuming everything else was going perfect, it'd be difficult anyways, because there's a lot of anxiety going on right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and so that obviously interferes with their ability to give a crap about the Interstate Highway Act of 1956, you know? So it's like, it's how do we, how do we try to keep some degree of normalcy while also recognizing this ain't normal and this is crazy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds like, a bit of a mess just like it's been for for all content areas and all grade levels like nationally just this really complex unanticipated challenge that has just kind of like you know similar to you like i teach history not ap i teach history in uh the la area and you know the rumors were circulating about the school possibly shutting down and then it happened in the middle of a school day like the you know students saw the tweet from the from you know unnamed source in the district that that the school was shutting down and it's been a scramble ever since so in the midst of all this craziness I, I'm, I'm sure you had some expectation or some thoughts about what the college board might do um, regarding the the exam so you know we're going to get to in a minute what the college board decided to do with regards to this exam but i'm curious what was your thinking as the situation continued to unfold and 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 be the mess that it is what was your thinking about what the college board would or, or should do regarding the AP testing window for this school year? So I, I will be the first to acknowledge the situation was a tough one from the, for them to be in. I, 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 there, there was no easy path forward, I think. Uh, I also don't have a lot of faith in the college board and I feel like they oftentimes speak uh, out of both sides of the mouth. They talk a lot about equity, but then I don't really think that they follow up with it in the way that's meaningful seems like sometimes it's more about just getting more kids to test to, you know, get those exam fees. Uh, so when, when like everything kind of got unplugged, 
you know, first I, I thought, okay, we'll be back. No, we'll, we'll be back in the room. Yeah, we'll lose some time, but, you know, we'll get back into the swing of things. And, and once that became abundantly clear that that's not happening, um, I really had no kind of concrete answer, but I thought perhaps they would give students an out. You can get a full refund and maybe punt the exam date to in the future uh, whenever that may, uh, this whole situation may be resolved, just kind of, you know, maybe to the summertime, uh, giving students, you know, an, an option to, to just kind of remove themselves, but also honoring that a lot of students have worked really hard and they want to kind of take this assessment. They want to, you know, possibly get college credit. So giving them that option once things kind of can be a little bit more, you know, controlled and perhaps they can go to the testing location or their school site, whatever. But, um, I did not think they would do what they ended up doing. Yeah. So speaking of what they ended up doing, um, you know, this this year's at least this year's conditions for uh, for AP testing are going to be like nothing we've seen before, at least in in any type of modern context. Um, and so, you know, it's really bringing to the surface the, the wide variability of learning conditions that exist for students at home, right? Let alone the wide variability that can exist even in, within a school itself, but um, in particular when we're talking about a testing at home context. So I'm wondering if you can give us, uh, Daniel, just a bit of a, a rundown of some of the, the changes that, uh, that are now in place for this spring's uh, assessments, and also your thoughts about you know, what that means really in terms of fairness, um, given the wide variability of, of conditions we know are, are going to exist. Yeah, so let me walk us through what it would normally look like back in the day. Um, and it was, it was a whole event, right? The two week period for my students, they would come in the morning, we'd get some snacks. We, we do like corny toast with, you know, that apple juice champagne stuff. And, nice. and we would like kind of have this community moment and the kids would go into a space, you know, usually like the auditorium or the gym and they'd be sitting there for a good four plus hours taking, uh, in terms of the AP history exam, a multiple choice section a document-based question, SAQ, LAQ. So they had four different assessments over the course of four plus hours to kind of demonstrate that they've learned the material that they've been studying for a year. Uh, now we are going to transition to being at home. Uh, they have uh, said that the exam could be taken on any device, including a cell phone, which dang, you must be like ultra quick with the text messages to be able to write uh, the the answer because the 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 exam is now going to be a, a document based question. Uh, they have scaled back um, the number of documents, so usually it's seven. Now it's going to be five, and they're going to have forty five minutes to write it. They can handwrite it, they can type it, and then they'll have five minutes to try to upload it to whatever the platform is that they're going to use. To their credit, they did actually make the rubric I think much better. It's it's a rubric that I think they should actually be using. Uh, all the time because it gives more, you know, there's different degrees of proficiency. Like, you know, you're starting to kind of show you understand it. Uh, but uh, so the rubric has been adapted. The the exam is is all coming down to one essay, which I think is just a bunch of crap uh, to, to assess students in a year long course off one topic on one essay in 45 minutes has so many problems, not to mention the equity piece like my internet at my house is garbage. Like we're trying to watch Netflix last night. It's buffering. My wife's like, check the internet. So like I can imagine where families are with multiple people accessing the Wi-Fi uh, or not even having Wi-Fi. One computer uh, that may, you know, want to update in the middle of, you know, testing. Just there's just so many variables that are going to make a stressful situation even more stressful. I like I, as, as a college graduate uh, with a history degree, sometimes look at these DBQs and it takes me a long time to process what I need to do. The time is just not enough and the, the ability for students to, to have access to fairness and testing is, I think, not there. And if I understand correctly, like the, the time window for taking the exam is like the same block, the same. Yeah. So if you're minutes. in like freaking globally, right? Yeah. If you're in like, 
Brazil or South Korea, because there's a lot of students who are international. Uh, right. You may be waking up at 3 a.m. We can figure out some time zone stuff. Uh, East Coast, West Coast, and, and their reasoning is, you know, they have to ensure fairness. So um, rather than, I guess, making multiple questions, yeah, everyone's taking it at the exact same time, which, you know, I don't know, like if you don't, if your login doesn't hit, say it's 9 a.m. and it doesn't go live until 9.05, do you now only have 40 minutes left? I, I don't really know, but I, I could imagine just having been on their platforms, uh, you know, they have AP Classroom, they have, you know, the score reports. There's so many glitches on a regular uh, day when there's not thousands of people accessing these these resources. So I can imagine it's 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 gonna be interesting to say the least. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I saw, you know, I don't know how much of this is true because I don't operate within the world of AP, but I saw something about how they believe these scores will still be really, really close to the level of accuracy that they'd get from a, a extended or the, the longer version of the test, even though it's just one question. And I see that the College Board has said that it's designed so that even if you did Google stuff, even if you did have your books and notes open and all that stuff, like go ahead and do that. But supposedly that's not not going to be able to help you. So what's the what's the word among AP teachers about the likelihood that there will be some cheating going on? Um, with the test set up in this kind of way with folks being able to take it in their own bedroom think, on their phone or whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, here's what I think they're going to do. And I think it's going to do a tremendous disservice to students. In the effort to combat cheating, they're going to make some convoluted, ridiculous question that is so damn confusing that no regular human being, let alone historian, would ever ask. And students are going to be so tripped up by what the prompt is even saying or, or where they should take this essay that, yeah, they're not going to be able to cheat, but they're also not going to be able to demonstrate uh, what they know in a meaningful manner. So, yeah, I get, like, on a DBQ, it, it is very difficult. If you have 45 minutes, if you had 60 minutes, to really kind of be able to cheat with a Google search or something to that. It, it, the time crunch is real. Um, I think what they'll do is that, you know, make the question so complex. But at the same time, now you're, you're excluding students, especially students that... I work with in Los Angeles who English may not be their first language, but they know the content. And now you've made another barrier to the content, to entry into the content. And so I think that's what they're going to do. And in spite of, you know, them having all these foolproof ways to stop cheating, come on now, like the people with, you know, college professor uh, parents are going to be probably hovering over there. Uh, you know, whispering and, and passing notes, you know, there, there is no foolproof way to, to, to stop cheating, especially on a take home exam. But for students that I work with, they're not going to have the time nor the, the resources all around to just kind of like cheat, nor, you know, most of mine wouldn't want to because they they know the material, they want to have an opportunity that's fair to demonstrate they know the material. And I don't think this change is giving them that opportunity. Yeah. So, Daniel, not to not to put you on the spot, but uh, but you are our featured guest today. So we're going to, uh, you know, would love to get your kind of assessment of, you know, you you prefaced your comments by saying this was a difficult situation and, you know, not envying the college board and trying to uh, figure out how to do AP testing in this context. But given that they have and this is what the what the conclusion is, what's your, what's your take on it? Um, you know, are, were there alternatives that, uh, that you or others you know of, uh, you know, thought of that might have been perhaps a different way to approach the situation that might, might have better addressed some of the equity concerns that you're, that you're naming? So, um, you know, I, I don't have a foolproof way that I would have gone forward. I, I think the best path would have been kind of postponing the exam until things have calmed down. Now, granted, we don't know when that will be, and hopefully it will be soon, um, but also give students an opportunity to get a refund. The other thing they did this year is collect money real early. You had to pay for the exam like two months into taking the, to, to enrolling in the class. So they, they were very quick to get those testing fees collected. Um, so give opportunity to students who want a refund give them an opportunity to set an exam date 
in the future. And perhaps, you know, if, if they felt it was necessary to kind of have closure for the school year, especially for seniors, perhaps give them an opportunity to take the test uh, at home in, in this new modified method. You know, I think in a situation like this, we need to be flexible. We need to give students options uh, because, you know, I, I, I fear that on the day that we start testing, there's going to be so many students that are going to be overcome with tech problems and, and anxiety and stress trying to kind of figure out the platform. Um, so I, I just think that saying this is the date you're going to do it and you're going to do it at home uh, is riddled with problems. Um, you know, and, and it, we'll see, I guess, you know, to their credit, again, they, they did offer, I don't know what this is going to look like, some sort of link where if you're a student who has some sort of technology needs, you can, you know, tell them, I don't know, are they going to send you like a MacBook or something? Like, cause right. like I told all my students, Hey, if you have any problems with text, fill it out. They haven't received any information, but you know, maybe they're going to like, you know, roll in some like high speed internet to all kids homes by May 15th. But, uh, short of that, I think we're not going to get a really authentic snapshot as to the level of knowledge many students do have, uh, on this AP, uh, testing season. Yeah. Yeah. And on the College Board website, it, it looks like they're saying that colleges will still accept the exam scores at for college credit, just like um, they have previously. And, and somewhere in there, it, it mentioned how they they really believe in the accuracy of these scores, even if it's just one 45 minute or 40 minute um, exam with five minute upload time versus the full four to five hour exam. I am curious what your thoughts are on what the long-term impact of this will be, because hopefully, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, this is a once-in-a-lifetime sort of spring pandemic that shuts down all schools and, and forces us to put the brakes on everything. But um, knowing the College Board the way like that I perceive them to be, I'm pretty sure that somebody within the College Board is, is plotting and hoping that this is perhaps the beginning of a new phase of the College Board where everything from SATs and PSATs to AP exams generally are available in a distance model just in case there's future situations that come up or, or, or whatever. So I'm curious what your thoughts are as to long-term impacts of this year's college um, college board AP exams uh, being in this format? Yeah, I think like even zooming out from that question, I think this is an interesting time in education in general. There's a lot of folks talking about like, what does this mean to education in general moving forward? And I've seen some people on like Twitter. I've had, I have some colleagues who kind of have been boasting and bragging about, oh yeah, this is going really well. <laughs> I really enjoy this format. And, and oftentimes, especially the people I know, th they like this because they don't really got to interact with students. You know, you just yeah. post a bunch of stuff on, you know, some platform and the kids click, click, click. And then, you know, sometimes the computer even grades it uh, and learning is happening in their mind. But um, from a cost standpoint, I hope I hope like we don't think that this is true, authentic, meaningful education. Um, you know, I, I think that there has been a move towards putting things on a digital platform, which can have value, but we leave people behind when we do that. More importantly, I think like back to kind of what normally happens, there is something, especially with working with students who very often perhaps this is their first AP class of having that communal experience of being in the classroom, of pushing back on arguments and ideas, and even on the actual test, just kind of going to a place around people that you've been with and some people that are at, from other schools that are testing. And I think just to kind of move to a digital platform, like w there's enough stuff digital, right? Like all my music's digital now, like my movies, you know, like I, I think education, there, there's, there's something to be said about that face-to-face -face and just that experience of taking the exam. So we'll see. I, I think they'll definitely explore those options moving forward about an online platform. But assuming that everything goes well when the, this this test rollout works, which I don't think it will, I think uh, I think they're going to be happy to go back to the normal, you know, administrative process just because it, it's it's worked and and I think most students benefit from that kind of experience versus what they're going to have to do this year. Yeah. Uh, well, I certainly 
I certainly hope you're right about that. And the, uh, the social aspect of learning is one that I think um, most educators, if not all educators, are feeling the loss of in, in some fashion right now, one way or another. Um, but Daniel, I'm wondering, uh, before we go, um, you, you have a particular shirt on right now. I'm wondering if you can maybe uh, share with our audience uh, a little bit about what that shirt is, who's on that shirt, and if and if they want to get one, maybe uh, maybe if that's possible, where they can could go to find it. Yeah, so you know, every year I create a a shirt for for my students, and you know, we I got a little hookup in LA, and they they kind of make them at cost, and 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 it's kind of a way once again to kind of like build that school community it's almost like you know like those t-shirts you get i survived and then like some event like i survived a push this is like your badge of honor because the class is hell in terms of the speed and the pace um so this shirt is just like one i was play on words instead of avengers it's a pushers uh we had a lot of debate about who should go on the shirt because being on the shirt it does is not an endorsement of a person's policies or politics or history it's just kind of like iconic figures that if you're an a push you kind of will know who they are. So we got George Washington, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, and Theodore Roosevelt. We've had other ones with different figures. Um, and it's also just a way for me to, to kind of continue to offer my resources at apushsexplain.com for free. Like there's a lot of teachers. I, I, I get so annoyed with Twitter. I, I sometimes just say I need to delete it. Or they'll be like, oh, I have this idea. And more often than not, it's like something they stole from someone else on some you know, platform where teachers are sharing and then they're trying to like slang it to people like, oh, here, this this resource is free, but now pay for my packet. And, and you know, a lot of my students don't have the money for that type of thing. And, you know, I didn't get into this 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 field to, to be big baller Tiger King status. But, uh, you know, so I'm trying to like <laughs> offer some resources, but I, I, you know, need to raise a little bit money to, to pay for the website fees and uh, get a decent mic because everyone says I, I sound like I'm screaming on my videos because I'm literally screaming on my videos because I'm doing them in my garage like while the kids are asleep. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a shirt that uh, my students rock and uh, anybody who wants. Uh, I think we're almost still out of all of them because I don't make a whole bunch of them, just enough to cover the cost of the website. And uh, yeah, it's just we survived a push. We need to make a new one with the coronavirus. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's big yeah. facts. That's big facts. Yeah. Um, folks, you, you, you heard the man, apushexplained.com. Uh, head over to the site. Check it out. There's a lot of great resources there and a, uh, a lot of great videos, especially if you are a teacher of advanced placement or a parent of a student in advanced placement. There's a lot of great resources there. And um, like Mr. Joe said, a lot of these other folks, man, they'd be pirating other people's ideas and try to charge folks and all that, all that good stuff. So uh, Mr. Joe's the 2018 California History Teacher of the Year has a lot of resources there accessible to our most marginalized populations who perhaps don't have those parents who could go out and spend big money on all the AP tutors and, and resources and all that good stuff. Mr. Jost, thank you so much for coming on All the Above to help us explore these changes to this year's AP exams, given the coronavirus crisis that has impacted our education system in so many complex ways. So we want to thank you for taking time out to be here and uh, sharing your thoughts with us. All right, most definitely. Thanks for having me and uh, appreciate, uh, you know, spending some of the quarantine time with you folks. Yeah. All right, folks. That's it for today's seminar. Up next will be our class dismissed, where we give shout outs to folks doing great things in the world of education. Stay tuned. All right, folks, welcome to today's class dismissed. This is a time in each episode where we like to pause and really give some shout outs, show some love for people in the field of education doing just interesting, good work. And uh, today we have we have maybe the biggest shout out we've ever given uh, Manuel because it really kind of goes to like almost everyone. Um, and specifically in that, I want to recognize the, the parents and the students of our country and frankly around the world as well. But we here in Los Angeles just hit the one month mark uh, at the end of last week of the, the COVID-19 shutdowns. And it has been a journey for everyone. And, you know, from teachers who have had to totally reinvent 
you know, school to uh, students who've had to try to figure out what school is now that it's been totally reinvented. And then, of course, all the parents out there. And I see this with um, with teachers, with principals, with colleagues in my own organization who I'm on Zooms with where we're seeing, you know, uh, we're in the middle of a meeting and, you know, the kids come in the room and need something, right? Or, you know, people have to take a break and, you know, we're teaching, the, the kids are doing English right now and I'm trying to work from home, right? And that's just such a, a load for everyone to carry together. And I know there's just millions of people out there who are, really trying and doing their best to try to uh, make this work and to try to help ensure the kids are continuing to learn and grow from home, but also doing doing so under just some really incredibly challenging circumstances. So we just want to say uh, students, teachers of America, educators of America, you know, we see you um, and, you know, recognize your 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 contributions really during this this really challenging time. Yeah, absolutely. And this is uh, uh, another reminder that humanizing education, compassion, um, connectedness is is best practice and, and that'll get us through. So um, to the teachers out there who, like me, are are struggling to adapt your usual day to day practice to a distance learning platform, man, just uh, again, remember to um, Think about those students and those families and, and how much they're also going through. And, and this is a moment where flexibility is the key and uh, important humanizing education is the key. So shout out to everybody who is together in this this real global experiment, really, um, with our, our teaching and learning and, and what it means to be educators. All right. So shout out to all of you and for everyone watching or listening. Again, we encourage you to check out our website aotashow.com and explore previous episodes where we've we've touched on so many different important topics that will continue to be relevant important topics even after the days of these covid shutdowns are behind us all right so until next time whatever i say what do i say until what do i say at the end we'll check you later something like that i don't know <laughs> i don't know either that sounds <laughs> I, mad I probably corny. should <laughs> Sounds mad corny. We'll, we'll Anyways, see you next right, time. Folks, we're out of here. We will see you next time. Hey, that's what I say. All right. Peace.